1: welcome back into college golf talk burko and brentley with you and we're thrilled that college golf talk is brought to you by velocity global velocity global seamlessly connects employees and talent anyone anywhere anytime anyhow its global work platform is built on cloud-based technology Compliance expertise, and unmatched scale in 185 countries in all 50 of the United States. The world of work is forever changed. Talent can live anywhere, work for anyone, and get the job done. More than 1,000 businesses engage top talent in another state or another country without the need to set up a foreign entity or registration and rely on Velocity Global. to make it simple and compliant. Velocity Global—they accelerate the future of work. To learn more, visit velocityglobal.com/golf. We are thrilled to partner up with them. That being said, Brentley, hello, friends.
2: Berko, <laughs> it's uh, it's good to hear your voice. I hope that Fayetteville was was good to you. I hope that you managed to, at least to go to Doe's Steakhouse at, at least once, maybe twice. Uh-
1: uh I did go one I did not go once or twice. So uh. sadly uh I failed you there, but it was good. A three thirty wake-up call on this Thursday morning as we're recording uh this week's episode, but home base for ten days. And I'm not gonna lie, I am thrilled. It's the longest stretch I've been home since about July fourth. So my boys, my wife will actually know what they're husband and dad to look like, but uh, another great one at the blessings. We got two great interviews. You've done. We're going to get to those shortly. Three really big tournaments wrapped up. Let's start with uh, the blessings collegiate invitational presented by Tyson foods. And I've got to mention great time. Again, spent some time with Mr. John Tyson who makes it all possible. I'm not sure I've run across anyone who's behind a golf tournament that allows it to happen and allows it to be on our Aaron golf channel. He's committed. He's all in. What can we do better? How can we do this? It's, it's, it's refreshing that he's his commitment level. I'm not sure I've seen anything like it by one individual uh, in college golf. So I wanted to say that simply for the fact uh, he always opens his doors uh, and that's a lot of fun. And it was a lot of fun. If you were an Arkansas razorback, (laughs) <laughs> this past week because they swept it all and everyone's going to say, Oh, they're at home. Is it an advantage? Sure. I can also make the argument there's pressure. People expect you to win at home and when uh, they did in convincing fashion for the teams and Brooke Matthews goes back to back and Luke long. If you want to identify one, I think it's remarkable. 50 year senior back at home. At his fourth college, first semester at Arkansas, and he wins at the golf club he belongs to. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, first off, Burko, I mean, where would college golf be if we had, you know, thirty more John Tysons kind of around the country in different events? I mean, you're right. I mean, he's done just so much for that program, that school, that course, college golf, just in general. Um, so, you know, I'm I'm glad that you you mentioned him right off the top because uh, you know he deserves more credit you know than he gets um and let me quickly throw
1: in albert huddleston at meridale yeah another it's like, not the founding inter-
2: fathers right but kind of yeah. like the you know them and, and, and the clients that you know the clients for the the cabo collegiate we really have some some people that really love college golf and it's it's cool to see
1: yeah it is uh i was there front and center saw it. what did you take away from the broadcast uh the past three days
2: yeah i think home course advantage, as you mentioned, is a thing, you know, because blessings, there are so many, you know, aspects of that course that you probably can't pick up on just in three or four times playing it. I I bet there's even members of the Arkansas team who probably learn, you know, two or three things every single round that they play there. Um, That being said, you are right. I mean, there is pressure because you have all those friends and family and just Arkansas fans in general um to where if you don't get the job done it's there's more than just you that's that's leaving there disappointed so I, I think there is something to be said to that um i was really impressed by uh the razorback women obviously brooke matthews continues her tremendous start to the fall she won this event last year as well we'll hear from her a little bit later but the arkansas men i, I was on golf today yesterday Burko and was talking about how they've become almost the transfer you and the job that Brad Macon has done bringing in a Segundo Pinto from UNC Wilmington a year ago and now Luke Wong and Mateo Fernandez de Oliveira and they're actually going to add another transfer this spring they're going to get Manuel Lozado back from a leg injury so they're going to be even better uh, going forward and I think this is just the just the surface for the women's team, but definitely just the surface for Brad McMacon's squad.
1: It's so funny you say that, Brentley. Yesterday, Wednesday morning, I talked to Brad before his team was teeing off five, 10, 15 minutes uh, idle chatter but getting stuff for the broadcast. And he said exactly what you just touched on. I can't always recruit with the cream of the crop in the South, but I've got no problem getting some transfers in here And if they meet the criteria on and off the golf course, he said, I'm all for it. Hard to dismiss what they did. And I'm sort of like you. I I might be slightly bullish on them continuing to get better as the season moves on. Uh, I was hopeful that North Carolina was going to make a run from the standpoint. Bob Papa and Paige McKenzie on the broadcast said, what do we like? Who do we like? It's early in the fall. And I said, North Carolina might be the best team in the country couple of wins, two out of two to start the fall. Um, they sort of made that charge on day two, didn't quite have the best stuff yesterday, but I think that's a group to circle. And then for the ladies, uh, UCLA, I think while young, and Emma Spitz is really great as a junior, let's keep an eye on the Bruins as this fall, and especially in the spring start, because for their standards, I feel like we haven't talked about them a lot the last two or three years. I think that might change. Um, come 2022 just an idea
2: yeah talking to a couple of the women's coaches this summer just trying to put together my preseason rankings and things like that and just trying to get a a grasp of what the landscape of the women's game would would look like this season and a lot of coaches said watch out for UCLA that was kind of their sleeper because as you said they they are young Uh, Alessia Nabilio is going to be a star Zoe Campos, um, I think, is going to end up being a star for them. And when you have Emma Spitz at the top of the lineup, as we saw at Greyhawk last year and really for the past two seasons, um, she's kind of was the unheralded uh, player out of the Paulines and the Ingrids and that sophomore class, Maya Stark, who, by the way, has had an incredible start to her pro career. I think she's won three times already in six starts. But, uh, yeah, just a, a lot of great, great teams in the women's game. And I think we have to probably start talking about UCLA, um, a lot more because they're certainly going to just keep on getting better.
1: But the cream of the crop for the ladies out West and quite simply in the nation, Stanford Cardinal, Windy City Collegiate Classic outside of Chicago, a really good field. They go two for two. Rose Zang goes two for two. If they're playing this well when Rachel Heck hasn't had her best stuff, um, watch out. And we'll touch on that at the end of the podcast, but uh, exactly what Ann Walker would have scripted to start her fall season.
2: Yeah. I kind of said going into this, just looking at their lineup, they're at full strength, but then you can argue that they weren't, because as you said, Rachel Heck, T38, shoots 13 over. Um, But I guess that's the, you know, that's the benefit. That's the luxury when you're Stanford and you have this lineup is, Rachel Heck can play poorly. Uh, Caroline Sturzo was also outside the top 40. Um, there are other uh, heralded freshmen this year. Um, but Roseng, on, on a tough golf course, really doesn't make too many mistakes, kind of had a rocky start to her final round and settles in, plays bogey-free the last 15 holes, four birdies, and ends up winning another individual title. They're just they're just so good, Berko. I mean, that, that field, when you look at the teams there with South Carolina and Texas, Oregon, Duke, um USC I mean Stanford beat USC I'm trying to do the math quickly by 52 shots 52
1: strokes looking that's, at the same time are at... I and mean... watch out everyone watch out I'm just saying it. And hey how about a tip of the cap to Virginia and Florida uh, second mm-hmm. and third um uh, what Rhea Scott's done in Charlottesville the last few years um awfully impressive and maybe the Lady Gators you know they're they're hanging around the first two, three fall events. Maybe this is the year they sort of break through and, you know, jump into that mix of that upper echelon squads. But uh, congrats to the Stanford ladies. And well, we're talking Stanford. So we might as well continue to talk Stanford as there was a pretty good field down there at colonial and for a squad. Brentley that usually has struggles in the fall. Um, not this go around for Conrad Ray, the head coach
2: and his team. This is kind of what some of us expected just with the fact that last year was kind of a, I, I wouldn't say a, a throwaway year completely, but it was one of those seasons where, Hey, you know, what can you do? We don't start till mid February, early March because of COVID uh, protocols and your much heralded freshmen Carl Phillips, Michael Thorbjornsen, they kind of get off to a slow start in their college career. And then, of course, you get to regionals and you're missing your two leaders in Henry Shrimp and Barclay Brown because of COVID protocols. Um, so like we've talked about before, everything that went wrong uh, or everything that could have went wrong last season did go wrong. And I just, I really expected this team getting Henry Schimp back for that sixth year, having Michael Thorbjornsen have the kind of momentum Uh, after the great summer that he had, Carl Phillips continuing uh, to get healthier after that, you know, really gruesome finger injury that he had a couple summers ago. You just kind of thought that this was going to come. I didn't expect it to happen this soon. Um, I mean, this was a really good event. I think it was like something like 10 top 20 teams with Pepperdine and Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Wake Forest. I mean, I can go on Vanderbilt. Um, but just a really impressive performance to shoot 11 under in the final round, clip the Sooners who are red hot by a shot. And, you know, as I, as we'll hear in just a few minutes, uh, you know, Conrad Ray was just really pleased. And I don't know if you watched college football much last weekend, Burko, but Stanford had a pretty good win. Um, So who knows if that may have uh, inspired the golf teams to come out and win on the same day.
1: Hey, I enjoy my Saturdays watching the gridiron. They took down the ducks clean sweep for the Cardinals Michael Brennan from uh, Wake Forest wins individually that's a couple in the fall for him a six-shot victory so we had three really good tournaments to get a sense of what teams are maybe better than we expected what squads have work to do Uh, it's always intriguing but as Mike Small from Illinois told me he was at the blessing you figure things out see how good these freshmen are throw their feet to the fire let them take their lumps now because it's all about that six-week stretch in April uh, with conferences, regionals, and the national championship as well. Uh, So that's sort of the wrap on the week. We alluded to it. We're going to get right to it. You did two awesome interviews with Brooke Matthews from Arkansas, who won yet again at Blessings, and Conrad Ray, the head coach of the victorious Stanford Cardinal, shortly after their win in Fort Worth, Texas.
0: (laughs)
2: I'd like to welcome to the podcast the head coach of Stanford men's golf team Conrad Ray the Cardinal coming off a big win at Colonial. Uh, Conrad thanks for coming on. Uh, how about you bet, How about the Cardinal yesterday?
3: Hey impressive day for us. Uh, we were super excited to have the hot hand uh, in that field and and on that historic golf course. Uh, really a special day for our program and you know it was a team effort. We uh, We talked about going out and just trying to win the day and and guys got through the front nine, and which I think is kind of the harder nine of the two nines at Colonial uh, in, in really good shape. And uh, we were able to hold on with some some great teams jumping at our heels.
2: So you mentioned a big day for the program. It was a good day for the women's team as well. How cool is it, um, you know, because obviously you guys spent a lot of time with Coach Ann Walker and her squad back home. And how, how cool is it um, to be able to share the win with? you know, with the women's team getting it done up in uh, Chicago as well.
3: Well, it was great. I mean, we, we uh, look across the aisle at the women's team and, you know, they have a, a monster team. We all know that two for two, Rojang is two for two. Um, I mean, they might run the tables this year. I hope that they do. Obviously there's some great teams that they'll have to, to take on down the stretch here, but um, you know, it, it is neat to see It's an, And I think our kids motivate each other and, and uh, you know, it's just great for, stanford and stanford golf to to win uh amongst some really heavy competition um you know especially to our kids uh this is the time of year in the quarter we're kind of in week four um where they start you know having some papers due and some schoolwork to think about and um you know they have to get on academic get on the academic train a little bit so uh you know it's neat to see them come out on top on both sides for sure
2: mm-hmm before, uh, before we get into your team, uh, I want to ask you one question about Rose, because obviously she came in to college golf with such great accomplishment when the women's am and uh, had some big showings and some majors as an amateur, um, as a junior player. I, I, I know you may probably not have spent a ton of time around her yet, but just from what you've seen, what impresses you the most about what she's been been able to do so far?
3: Well, I I just think she's really good. I mean, I've had a couple occasions where I've turned up, you know, first one opening the doors and she's out there hitting balls already. So I think she not only has the work ethic that it takes, it looks like, um, but she obviously has the talent and she's been there before. The other thing I'll say is that I I think that I give her a lot of credit because um, it looks like she's just having a blast, you know, like to me, Pro golf will, will hopefully be there for a long time for her. Um, But she knows that at this stage of the game in her life, she wants to have fun and be around her teammates and be a college student. And I mean, why would you ever take that away from someone? Right. So I give her credit for, I mean, maybe not listening to everyone and doing what everyone thinks she should do, (laughs) but rather doing what she wants to do. And she owns it, which, uh, which is great. I mean, you don't have to look very far through some of the social media and the video and the, pictures of the women's team and see how much fun she's having. I I think I've, you know, obviously been tracking on her for a while just because I'm, you know, across the hallway um, and she looks like she's having more fun than she ever has.
2: Mm -hmm. Now you have a few studs over on, you know, your side of the aisle as well. Notably Michael Thorbjornson, the sophomore uh, T or runner up at, at colonial second top 10 of the season. What, what have you noticed in sort of his progression? Because obviously it was kind of a tough start to his college career last spring, but what has he really improved on? And um, what's it like seeing him finally kind of realize that potential um, with which he arrived on campus with?
3: Well, I think he's, he's matured a lot. I mean, I, I don't think that there's any freshman in the country that's normal that doesn't have some challenges right out of the gate. I think he, has grown to be fond of Stanford and his teammates and understands more and more every day, what it is to play in a team. I mean, that's the thing that I think gets lost in a lot of these conversations um, really along the way. And that is, you know, if someone's never been on a team before there's there's things that go with that. Right. And, and it's not always going to be easy. There's some adjustments you have to get to understand how things work and, and uh, he's across the country away from home, you know, all of those things. So I think, I think we'll just see him continue to get better. And he's, he's, he's way more mature than he was a year ago. And uh, he's got, he's gotten a lot of great experience under his belt, both the summer golf and this fall. Um, I I think it's powerful too, when, you know, all he says in the team meeting is guys, let's go win. And, you know, when your best player so far has words that uh, kind of echo what everyone's thinking in the room, it's kind of a, a badge of courage, you know? So, I was really proud how every, everyone turned up the, the, in the final round yesterday and, and, and put it out there.
2: Yeah, there's going to be a lot of people talking about Mike and talking about Carl Phillips this season. But kind of a big boost for you guys was getting Henry Schent back for that extra year. Um, just kind of talk about what he brings to the team and, and how important he, uh, he's been during this start.
3: Yeah. I mean, he, Henry, um, it's going to be pretty cool. He's going to graduate with, with a master's degree in mechanical science and engineering. Uh, he was a standout student and scholar athlete for us the whole way. And and to see him now do, taking on that and being, we call him dad, you know, affectionately, cause he's kind <laughs> of the senior Statesman. And, uh, um, you know, he, his, his stability and his leadership, um, is great. And he's steady Eddie and he does his business. And I think every guy on the team has a role like that. You know, I, I uh, look at, you know, kind of our emotional leader in Ethan Ng, you know, he probably hasn't played the golf he's wanted yet this fall, but he had a great summer and has been in the lineup and has been, you know, a big part of our team. Uh, As you mentioned, Carl and Mike, you know, Barkley Brown didn't, didn't qualify this week, but he's a big part of our team too, you know? Um, So all these guys have roles and to me, it's pretty fun to see that we have the depth that we do and, and if they really get it going we can have a low one like we did
2: yesterday yeah henry shimp also fellow podcaster so be sure to check out his podcast as well Uh, (laughs) yeah you better
3: uh yeah it's you know i get a kick out of it um he's he's off the wall with some of his topics but he's a thoughtful guy and and likes to break it down a little bit so yeah definitely worth a follow
2: yeah i I think people undervalue the the fall season sometimes but kind of looking back to how last spring went and, and how you guys closed the year at regionals with the COVID stuff and falling just short, um, how, how big is it and, and how much can it really pay dividends later this season to come out and, and win on a tough golf course like Colonial and beat teams like Oklahoma State and Oklahoma and Pepperdine? Um, just because, I mean, it's, it's only October. Um, I mean, are, are there some benefits to kind of starting hot?
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I think that if you look at the teams that have won the national championship over the last five or 10 years, I mean, they've had multiple wins through the season and uh, winning is more of a habit than it is kind of a a hope. Right. And so that's the mode you want to get in, I think, with a good team. And you want to look around and have our guys know that, hey, they might win or lose, but they're, they're not intimidated. They can play against the best and beat the best down the stretch. And so that, that win yesterday for us goes a long way towards that to hold off those great teams. Um, you know, we, we I, I, Michael uh, made about a 30-footer on the last and got her up, had a look from Oklahoma to tie. I mean, the, those dramatics are what you want your guys to feel and, uh, and experience, as you, you know, because all that we do through the season is really lead up to the end. And, um, you know, so I, I think it's, I think it's good to get in that mode Um, I also think that, uh, you know, to me, it's, it's all about like confidence and belief and, uh, holding each other accountable, um, to, to what we want to do. And, and we get some early success like that. Uh, I think it, it kind of perks you up and says, Hey, wait a minute, maybe this is a a year we can make a run.
2: Mm -hmm. How do you keep this momentum going? Because I I think coming into the year, um, there were some pretty high expectations. I mean, not to pump up. TheGolfChannel.com golf channel.com preseason rankings, but I did have you guys in the top 10 and uh, you guys are, are making me look good, even though Oklahoma has made me look pretty, pretty poorly uh, already, but what's uh what's got to continue for you guys to keep up that top 10 status and uh, you know, be in the mix in terms of national title contenders uh, coming in.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I, um, I think momentum, I think it's more of a mindset to me. I, I wouldn't say that we're going to try and ride away from now until June. Right. I think that, 'm I'm, I'm expecting fully to have some down weeks and some some challenges and you just hope that everyone can stay healthy um, i I kind of want our guys to get punched in the nose a little bit more through through the rest of the but i but I also want there to be this undercurrent of belief in what we have right so um you know i I, I think it, it is uh it is about winning and, and riding momentum but i i don't I don't really look at the rankings a whole lot I don't think our guys really look at the rankings a whole lot um you know we'll let we'll let guys like you brentley (laughs) analyze it and try and think about it uh and and partly too i think it's just like i said it's just getting out there playing great golf courses manage your game there's clearly work we need to do i think that was one of the positives that i heard in the van last night where guys were talking about the week and i think we won but i think everyone individually sees areas where they can improve and continue to work hard right so you know that's the key thing uh as we progress through the year and just know that there's a lot of golf left to play and a lot of time, um, but you're just putting those those building bricks together, uh, hopefully for a great run in the spring.
2: Yeah, this season, I think, is shaping up to be kind of the all-timer in, in college golf. And I know we say that pretty much every year, but Conrad, thanks for coming on. I think, uh, I think your Stanford Cardinal, we're going to be talking a lot about this year. So look forward to more conversations. And uh, for people who don't know, Conrad hosts a radio show every Monday night on uh, Sirius XM. So tune into that. And uh, Conrad, appreciate it again.
3: Yeah. Thanks for having me on Brentley. Wish you guys well and appreciate all you do for college golf.
0: Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way, because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you.
2: Dietz and Watson,
0: it's a family thing since 1939.
2: All right, I'm now joined by Brooke Matthews, the Arkansas senior, fresh off a big victory back-to-back, actually, at the Blessings. Uh, Brooke, thanks for coming on. And first off, does winning at home ever get old? I mean, you're from Rogers, Arkansas, just up the road. It's got to be pretty nice to win at a course that you've grown up playing at.
4: Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me. Winning at home is like, it's the best feeling ever. Um, I'm really lucky that we get to have this event these past two years, and to walk out with a victory with the individual and the team has just been so amazing. Blessings is, it's my home. I've been a member there since I was like 15 or 16, and so put in a lot of rounds there, maybe figured it out a little bit, who knows. But, yeah, just just so awesome to walk away with the the clean sweep for the Razorbacks. It was really exciting for all of us.
2: Now, I like to tell people and and talk about kind of the czars of college golf these days, whether it's the Climes who run the Cabo uh, event on the men's side um, or Albert Huddleston down at Merido. But John Tyson has really meant a lot to this program, to this course, to this tournament now. Um, Just talk a little bit about him and how grateful – you are for him to be kind of, you know, such a big, uh, you know, big booster, big, uh, big supporter of college golf and Arkansas golf.
4: Yeah. Mr. Tyson has been so incredible for both the men's and women's program, just to have the blessings that we can practice at every day. Um, it's amazing. Like it's kind of, it's second to none facilities and the golf course is a championship golf course. And so the fact that we get to play out there every single day and use all the facilities, it's just a huge, huge, um, part of the success for both the men's and women's team. And Mr. Tyson has just been so supportive of both teams and we are really so grateful and we, we can't imagine, you know, not having him. He's just a huge part of it. Mm -hmm.
2: How has your game evolved since we last saw you win here? Um, you know, that was last fall. That was also on golf channel, but how are you a better player and how are you kind of a different player than you were 12 months ago?
4: Yeah, it was definitely, um, Last year, I was playing really, really good. And this year, I was, you know, having a little bit of a struggle um, on a couple of the rounds and definitely some holes. Yes, last year, yeah, last year, I kind of almost blacked out and like played some amazing golf, some of the best golf of my life. And this year, it was a little bit more of a grind. And so I was proud that I was able to come out and try to stay patient and try to find another way to win it's, it's easy kind of to win when you're playing your best golf um, and when everything comes easy but when you kind of have to deal with adversity I feel like that was what happened this year and so I was happy to see that my game could handle it under pressure when I didn't have my best stuff
2: now that's kind of sums up what golf is because just a couple of weeks ago you shot 25 under and three rounds to set an NCAA record how do you how do you handle that playing some of the best golf of your life and then all of a sudden you wake up and you don't have it? I mean, and also for those who don't know, you made an LPGA cut too in between these two events.
4: Yeah, it's golf. Um, The more you play, the more you just learn that you just have to take advantage of the weeks where you're playing really good and, and just don't get down on yourself and just find a way to make it work on the weeks that don't because there's going to be more of those than the weeks that you're playing amazing. And that's just part of the game. And especially when I move on to professional golf, like, it's just it's part of it. And you just have to find a way to fight and scrape out every shot you can and just make the most of what you have that day. That's really all you can do.
2: Where does playing in the Curtis cup this summer rank among your golf achievements and what's it like being around such great players like that?
4: Yeah, I'm probably pretty close to the top. That was maybe one of the funnest weeks of my entire life. Going, Getting to go to Wales with those girls, such an amazing group. Um, I could see myself being best friends with basically every single person on the team. We, our team chemistry was amazing. We just gelled as soon as we got there and, and we played really good golf. We came down from a deficit of the first day. We just banded together and we got it done. And to get the win, um, I think it was the first time since 2008 that we won um, over there. And so it was really good. And it was really awesome for our captain, Sarah Ingram. She was great. And oh, my gosh, it was just one of the coolest experiences of my life. The fans were awesome. It was my first time playing true links golf. And so, yeah, it's something I'll never forget.
2: So you, you had never been over there before to play?
4: No, never. I played, I played in France, but it was, it wasn't Lynx
2: golf, but yeah. that was
4: my first time playing Lynx golf over there. And yeah, it was a treat. Wow.
2: How how often do you think kind of week to week, day to day about things like all American and Annika award and things like that, obviously it would be a huge honor to do some of that, but is that something that you kind of pay attention to rankings and, and accolades and stuff like that?
4: Yeah, you can. And, and it's hard not to look at it, but if, as soon as you start getting ahead of yourself is when things start kind of crashing around you. So I think it's just focus on the process. You really can't control, like you can play your best golf and you can still get beat. So just focusing on what you're doing and focusing on just the next tournament, the next tournament is the only one that you can control and you can prepare for it the best you can. And then however the cards fall or at the end of the, at the end of the year is how they fall. And, and just, knowing that even if it's not the best year ever or it is the best year ever, then you still just got to keep moving and keep getting better.
2: Some great players have won the Hanukkah, uh, former Razorback. Uh, Maria Fosse won it twice. Rachel Heck won it last year, who is a member of the Curtis Cup team along with you. Um, she's a player you almost beat this summer at the U.S. Women's Am, which I think was probably the match of the tournament, if not one of the top two or three. But where does that match rank in terms of, you know, competitions that you've played throughout your career?
4: Yeah, it was probably the best match play match I've ever played in my life. Uh, Rachel, she's a good friend, such a sweet girl. And so if I had to go down to somebody, it wasn't a bad person to go down to. But we both played great golf. It was a lot of back and forth. I think we only tied a handful of holes. And she ended up um, beating me on 19. And and I mean, she's a great player. So like hats off is kind of all you can say. And it stinks that I had to meet her in the round of 16. But that's just how it went.
2: I'm I'm glad you mentioned that she's one of the nicest people ever. Because what what motivates you to to beat someone like that? Because a lot of times, you know, player oh she's so nice, so it may be kind of hard to to get that edge and get that mentality that all right, I want to go and and beat her nine and eight or something like that.
4: Yeah, it is a little different. Um, because you know when you play your friends, it's kind of a little, especially a match play stroke plays a little bit different because you can kind of focus, but match play you're specifically trying to beat the person that you're playing with and so yeah it is a little strange but you just have to you know play your game and and it's business and we both know it's business it's not personal and you just have to approach it that way.
2: Now speaking of friends um, you share a practice facility with a kid on the men's team who probably has I would guesstimate maybe about 200 best friends um, I'm sure mm-hmm. you know who I'm talking about but I like to call him uh, the mayor uh, Julian Perico mm-hmm. what's it? what's it like being, being around him? Cause he's such an affable person, uh, personality. And um, do you have any funny, fun stories about him?
4: Yeah, Julian, he's so awesome. He's, He's, he is everyone's best friend and that's just because he's such a good guy and, and he cares. He's a great friend to me and to so many, especially on the men's and women's team. But yeah, he's just, he just lights up the room as soon as he walks in and he's a great player too. So to get to practice with him and it improves our golf and yeah, Julian, he's great at networking. I, I lived in Northwest Arkansas for my entire life and he's lived here for three years. And I always tell people he knows more people than I do.
2: (laughs) Oh man, yeah. is is there an LPGA player that you really look uh look up to? I I'm, I'm sure I could probably take a guess and and that Stacy Lewis is a big role model. Um would would that be correct?
4: Yeah, definitely growing up it, w- it was Stacy Lewis. Um I'm a, just a huge Razorback fan, so all the Razorbacks I'm I'm always root for and always follow, but yeah, definitely Stacy growing up was the one that I looked at. I remember when she won the um the tournament at Mission Hills. And when she jumped in the pond, that was like kind of a big moment for me. And I was like, wow, like, okay, I think I want to do this. So yeah, she's been great. And I got to spend a little time with her last week at the LPGA. So it was really cool. And then obviously Maria is a good friend of mine and Alana and 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 even Gabby. I, I always root for them week in, week out.
2: How, how often does your teammate, Corey, get confused for being Gabby's sister, being with the same last <laughs> name, Arkansas, from Mexico?
4: I know. I'm sure it happens. You don't have to ask her, but
2: yeah. <laughs> so you, you actually redshirted your first season in Fayetteville. What, what was the reasoning uh, behind that and how ultimately did that kind of help set the stage for where you are? Uh, now. Yeah,
4: yeah. Um, I couldn't. I wasn't good enough. Honestly, it was like the short answer. I couldn't qualify for a tournament. Our um, our team was really, really good that year. We were number one in the country for I think the whole season, if not most of it. But I kind of just took that year of learning and taking it as an opportunity to learn from the best players in the world. Not tried my best not to get down on myself. Just because it wasn't happening then doesn't mean that it won't happen later. And so I I credit that year for a lot of my success just because uh, it was a tough year, you know, mentally and on on the golf course. But just knowing that I could push through that and kind of see the other side of it was it was big for me and, you know, my mental strength. And and I developed a lot as a player on and off the course and learned a lot about myself. Mm
2: -hmm. Were you... You mentioned being a a Razorback fan your entire life. Did did you look at any other schools or was it pretty much, I want to go to Arkansas regardless if if I can play right away or not?
4: Yeah, I kind of did put all my eggs in one basket. Um, Arkansas was definitely my top school and and I was lucky that it worked out and that Sean and Mike kind of took a chance on me and, and, and it ended up being an amazing deal just because Sean and Mike are so awesome and to have them in the Arkansas program right in my backyard like I'm, I'm just so grateful for it
2: now s- some people will probably say that home course advantage at blessings is obviously a, a nice boost uh, when you're playing you know a tournament against some great teams but mm-hmm. what did this tournament kind of tell you guys about your team and where you guys could stack up against the other greats and in, in college golf right now
4: yeah um a home course advantage at Blessings is, is definitely huge. I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to sit here and deny that, but I also think it's it's really hard to win at home when everyone expects you to win, um, especially on a golf course like this. You still have to go out and do it, and sometimes when the pressure and expectations on you, it's hard to not get clouded by that a little bit, and so just the way this team came together, and we, we played hard as a team. Everyone contributed a lot, and just to go out there and do it for you know our coaches was so awesome with all the fans watching and and it was just really cool and i, I think that this team is good and i think maybe going into the year we might have been a little underrated but we're we're here and and we got a we got a deep team we got a lot of people who can go low and and i think we're we're going to start really putting it together and showing people some stuff.
2: Is the dream scenario for Arkansas and probably other women's golf teams around the country is like the dream scenario taking down Stanford at NCAA is just because they are so talented, you know, with Rose and Rachel.
4: Yeah, they're, I mean, I think definitely on paper, they're the best team, but I mean, as we saw last year, the NCAA tournament can, it's anyone's game. Once you get into match play, it's a different beast. And so anything can happen. It's just getting there and and focusing on what you need to do to get there. And then once you're there, if you have your week, then you have your week and, and it's great but yeah, just kind of focusing on, yeah. I mean, Stanford probably is one of, if not the best teams there, they are loaded with talent and, and again, nice girls. And so, yeah. yeah, we want to take them down, but we also like, you know, root for them.
2: <laughs> yeah. Round two at Greyhawk this May or this coming May is going to be absolutely just amazing with all the competition. And so, well, Brooke, uh, appreciate you coming on and, uh, Uh, Good luck the rest of the fall and obviously into the spring. And, you know, we'll see if you can put together some more individual titles. I mean, so far, so good.
4: So far, so good. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun.
2: Well, Burko, uh, you know, two great interviews. I want to thank Conrad and, and Brooke for both coming on the pod. And I want to talk a little bit about what we just heard from Brooke Matthews about Arkansas and kind of where they stack up and how much they and potentially other teams in the women's game have Stanford in their crosshairs and everyone seems to be chasing the Cardinal. We've talked over and over again about how great they are at this point, what you've seen so far, and you've covered a lot of college golf over the last couple of decades. Wh- what are you seeing out of Stanford in terms of how far ahead um, of the rest of the pack uh, they are at the moment? And do you expect, uh, or who are a few teams that you kind of think, uh, may be able to give them a run for their money as we get closer to when it counts?
1: Well, I've been high on them and with good reason. I'm not going out on a limb saying that Stanford has the potential, I believe, to put together one of the best college golf seasons we've seen. You think about Duke in the early to mid-2000s, go back to the mid-90s, Arizona State. The ladies never lost a single tournament on their way to winning a national championship. They tied San Jose State in one of them. Uh, I'm not sure if Stanford is at that level, but I don't think they're far off. And, and what we said earlier, Rachel Heck has not played very well considering her standards that she won six times in the spring, clean sweep through the postseason. She, she spoiled us. So if Stanford can win golf tournaments with her not playing very well, watch out. Now you can't always assume Roseanne's going to go out and win every tournament as well. Um, I think that would be foolish to think that it's a foregone conclusion. But I think as much as those two, I believe, Brentley, are special. You alluded to it. Their depth, they go three, four, five, six. That would be one or two players almost anywhere else in the country. I think that is why, in my eyes, there is a clear separation. But it could be Arkansas women, even though they won at home everyone played really well. Is it dude? Dan Brooks, year after year? Did Wake lose too much? Uh, You know, I'm not quite sure who the two or three teams that could rival Stanford right now, but uh, you know, I'm curious to think or see if you think the same way I do, or or, or perhaps a little bit differently.
2: Yeah. I I think there's, there's a pretty sizable gap right now. You kind of touched on the teams who I would probably, um, you know, kind of consider first with Duke uh, just one through five and, and really one through six. I think they, as long as Gina Kim, uh, Kim comes back uh, this spring after Q series and in place, which of course is no guarantee. Um, but assuming they have her, they're certainly a, a challenger. Wake Forest, I, I think they're only going to get better because I think Carolina Shakara is uh, just a really stellar player and probably may even be better than her brother, uh, relatively to the rest of, of college golf. Um, there is one thing I kind of wanted to, to touch on and, and, and kind of get your, your thoughts on Burko is, you know, Stanford is not going to be at full strength, um, on a couple more occasions this season, they're going to be missing, I think maybe three or three to four players, including Rose, including Rachel Heck at the PAC 12 preview in Hawaii. Um, there's a tournament that conflicts with the Gus national women's amateur in the ANA next spring. Do you think that helps them because they don't have, you know, kind of their, their f- full, full lineup there. And so they may lose a tournament here or there, and maybe that eliminates some of the pressure. I mean, do you think there's something there um, that because they're they're kind of going to be like, Hey, like we may have lost that, but at the same time, this isn't, This wasn't everything that we have. Do you you think there's something there?
1: Yeah, I know what you're getting at. Would would it hurt them in terms of running the table, clean slate, sure. You know, they probably won't go undefeated because of just what you touched on. Uh, But I think it gives everyone else a sense of contribution, if you will, that, hey, we're good. Or what if they went out? and played really well or finished second or third without your top three or four players. Yeah. That's what, that's what Ann Walker wants. She wants to head into the postseason saying, I got eight, I've got seven, let's go. So yes, big picture, you know, reading the tea leaves. Um, they might take a lump or two in terms of just not being able to get it done, but yes, come April, come May, I'm right behind you that that could serve that uh, whole program uh, extremely well. And, um, and we know it could change. They might never win again the rest of the season, highly unlikely, but
2: <laughs> very unlikely. Know,
1: uh, but that's, that's the case. Uh, so it's going to be intriguing to see uh, just how deep they are and how good that depth is. And uh, you know, we got a couple of good uh, events coming up and it's the preparation, if you will, for the Greyhounds as we're seeing more and more match play opportunities on the schedules.
2: Yeah, you know, with SEC match play, Big 12 match play coming up, Stevens Cup on our air, East Lake Cup. But we, we just had the Barber Nicholas Cup in North Carolina is hosting that Roy Williams event as well. So there's, I mean, if, if you want to get match play experience, coaches are, there's definitely no shortage of opportunities um, to fill your schedule with some match play events. And it's going to be interesting because, I mean, who knows what happens to the Big 12 match play event once Texas, once Oklahoma, once they you know, complete their transition over to the SEC. So I think it's one of those things where it's going to be extra meaningful to maybe potentially win, um, the last big 12 match play as we know it, but you know, who knows, I'm not, I'm not involved in those conversations, nor are you Burko. but, uh, maybe just something a little extra to maybe be the last or one of the last teams to win that event.
1: I like that. We'll certainly uh, recap all of that next week. And before we go, uh, Little Velocity Global PGA Tour U rankings. We've got a couple of not necessarily new faces, but faces and players that have jumped into the top five. Uh, Alex Fitzpatrick has returned, and Mister Shikara, after playing well in Jackson, goes podcast
2: from six,
1: bump. The yeah, podcast. goes from six to four. So I, I think. That being said, we're going to see more movement this year. That's at least what my gut feeling is early, which is what I want to see. I want to see people coming down the stretch with a chance to get on the Corn Ferry Tour.
2: Yeah, there's one player who's in that top 15 right now. I had a chance to speak with him a couple nights ago, and that's RJ Mankey from Washington. Maybe a little bit overlooked is the way that he started the fall with three top threes. And then of course gets his first win. So, I mean, that's four top three finishes, including a victory for Mankey, who of course transferred um, for his graduate year from Pepperdine to Washington, which is actually, he, he grew up about an hour away from campus. Both of his siblings, um, older siblings went to uh, UW and he just talked about how he played it. He, He always plays his best golf when he's comfortable and certainly been uh, a good move he's pursuing a master's in real estate and seems to be um you know a, a, as he said just he fits in very well there he's obviously playing well as ball striking has been great he says that he keeps his own stats and that he's been gaining about one and a half shots around with his irons um or approach the green so when you do that and you can get a few putts to drop you're, you're pretty tough to beat so that's a that's a guy who Probably got uh, you know overlooked at Pepperdine with all the great players they've had over the years with Segala and Mao and Joe Highsmith, um, but I could definitely see him moving further into the top five because he's he's that good a player. And I'm going to
1: continue to keep my eye on Chris up at Oklahoma. Another great finish. The transfer from Rutgers. Um, Where's he at? I now? believe. He, well, I think he jumped up to around 40, 41, but that was before. Colonial had finished, if I'm not mistaken.
2: Correct. Yeah, he's 43 right now. So he should probably we'll, we'll get somewhere in the 30s. Result. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get that colonial assault in there. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's rocking up that board.
1: Gosh, if he just stayed in the Garden State, head coach Rob Shooty from Rutgers. I mean, I, I spent time with him this summer and he understood, but he's like, man, we would have been really good because Rutgers has a pretty good team. They had about a fifth or sixth place finish at Notre Dame's event. Uh, one of the lowest uh, rounds on that final day. But if you could imagine Chris Goddard up anywhere, I mean, we've seen at Merida, like, this kid can flat out play. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch him and the rankings, and we'll do it all again next week. We again want to thank Velocity Global for jumping on board as College Golf Talk is brought to you by Velocity Global. For Brentley, I'm Berko. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next week.